0: Hello and welcome to Physician Spotlight, which is a forum to learn more about outstanding senior leaders, young rising stars and international colleagues in the field of nutrition to discuss important topics and ideas and with the help of Aspen, we are bringing these videos to you. I'm your host, Dr. Lindsay Russell, and our guest today is Dr. Ben Albert. Dr. Albert is assistant professor of anesthesia at the Harvard uh, Medical School and is an associate in critical care medicine, department of anesthesiology, critical care, and pain medicine at the Boston's Children's Hospital. Uh, He is an avid clinical researcher with special interests in the area of critical care, nutrition, and metabolism in the pediatric uh, surgical patient population and acute care. And it's our absolute pleasure to have you here, Dr. Albert. And thank you for joining us today.
1: No, Dr. Russell, thank you for the introduction and thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes, it's very exciting. So the first question I just kind of want to get started with is, you know, with your journey in critical care and pediatrics, what's the, how did you get into a career that involves nutrition? And let's talk about that journey a little bit.
1: Yeah, um, thanks for the question. Uh, So in one word, I would sum it up as mentorship. Mm -hmm. Um, I had actually the the really fortunate opportunity to work with Nilesh Mehta, who was a recent past president of Aspen. Uh, when I was a critical care fellow uh, here at Boston Children's Hospital, uh, I was amazed at the work that he was doing. And um, with the help of my program director at the time, asked if I could work with him on a nutrition project. Um, he was just finishing up the second iteration of the um, the PIN study, the Pediatric International Nutrition um, Database study, and I was able to um, work on a, a fellow project from there. Um, that really, you know, I was the first author, got published in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. I was, you know, incredibly excited. The the world is my oyster, and um, that really, you know, that that study that I did uh, as a second year fellow really set the stage for what's almost. Like ten years later now, um, and I've been following kind of the same path in 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 critical care nutrition, and I'm just kind of hooked.
0: I think that's so amazing, and you know, it's it's so inspiring to hear that you know that mentorship um, aspect of it, and you know, finding that uh, pull and attraction to nutrition. I would like to. I know in your prior role as a fellowship director yourself, and kind of your relationship with your fellowship director in training. How do you foresee inspiring young physicians or advocating for nutrition education, uh, especially in fields of critical care or elsewhere? How do you kind of approach that or any ideas?
1: that you- Yeah, I have a ton of ideas. Um, <laughs> you know, d- just to expand a little bit on that mentorship is I think that a mentor, um, no matter what the the content is, can really excite and inspire, um, you know, a trainee to, to, to do something. I think... Um, you know, a fellow or a trainee working with um, you know a more senior investigator. Uh, can work on a project. And then really the I think the inspiration comes when you get to present that project. Uh, so you, you know, like I did, travel to an Aspen com- uh, conference and stand in front of people with a used to be, you know, you would tack up an abstract up against a cork board uh, and you would have a moderator and then all the people standing around and you would present your, you know, four to five minute spiel and you would get comments and then you go back and you take those comments and write the manuscript. And you know, that was a lot of where the the inspiration came from. Um, you know, the second piece of it, I think, is really inspiring trainees and clinicians at the bedside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of my particular interests and passions in critical care nutrition is uh, indirect calorimetry, um, which is, you know, in the pediatric world has faced a real challenge because we haven't had um, the, the technology. The, you know, our VMAX device here at Boston Children's Hospital has been offline since supply and chain issues happened during covid and so um we haven't had as much um you know dialogue with regards to metabolism and you know how metabolism may change over the course of critical illness but i think that you really can inspire patient uh, inspire um clinicians by getting them to think about that and seeing you know, uh, for instance, a child who's admitted with a a traumatic brain injury, you know, who, you know, their their metabolic profile, you know, over the course of the first 24 hours to 96 hours is dramatically different. And if we're just, you know, plugging in an equation and estimating what they should be, you know, given for nutrition, we might be missing the ball based on the fact that we're, you know, they're, they're paralyzed or, you know, receiving muscle relaxant or sedation, and then they're, they're more awake or they're, they've developed seizures. And so now their metabolic profile has become more hyper metabolic than they were and having that conversation and then showing them, you know, the numbers for that, you know, that come out from indirect calorimetry and them saying, Oh, I had no idea. I thought we just, you know, nutrition was, you know, enteral nutrition is good within the first 24 hours. And then that's it. Um, and there's really so much more to that. And I think getting that dialogue started at the bedside can really inspire people to, you know, think outside the box and think about questions that we haven't thought of yet. Um, you know, ask new questions and look at data to provide answers that, you know, that we don't have answers to yet. And in the pediatric, you know, uh, space, there's a lot of unanswered questions of things that, you know, the younger generation is going to be the ones that are going to figure out those those answers. You know, we've we've carved a little bit of the field forward, but there's still just a ton of stuff that we don't know. And so it's really going to be up to them to to help us figure out what to do.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, you know, my experience with indirect calorimetry. it's such an interesting tool to use. And it's kind of even to see it live, uh, measuring it and um really get that feedback. I think it's uh even in my experience, it inspires people. And, I like to
1: play um, yeah. you know, it's fun to play a guessing game. You know, yes. to, <laughs> is this patient hypo or hypermetabolic? And then to kind of guesstimate what the uh, you know, their caloric uh expenditure is. And it's amazing because a lot of times we don't know. Um, And we're fooled by what we think the patient really, um, what their energy uh, requirements are. Uh, And so that's a fun way to also get people excited because everyone's got a little skin in the game when they're trying to guess what the the energy requirements are.
0: Yeah, it's always good to really inspire the younger generation. I think a lot of the younger um, physicians too and medical students, you know, are good with video games and things like that. Uh, So it's helpful to get that way. And, you know, speaking of, you know, you know, hearing your discussion and knowing your research projects before and interest in kind of advancing the field in critical care and pediatrics, what kind of things are you working on now, or what kind of things that you feel like um, from a research point of view, um, how things are going in the critical care?
1: Yeah. So I started out, let's say 10 years ago as a as a fellow and um did this, you know, this retrospective observational database study uh, and found that um in this large cohort, um, stress ulcer prophylaxis, like um, ranitidine, famotidine, or PPIs, um, are is associated with ventilator-associated pneumonia. Um, you know, which has been shown in the literature. Um, you know, uh, definitely in adults, and is starting to emerge more in the pediatric population, as well as other hospital-acquired infections with stress ulcer prophylaxis, like colabsies and cowdies, and necrotizing enterocolitis um, in babies. Um, But that little study um, was enough preliminary data and prompted enough excitement for me to uh, become a a co-designer and co-investigator in a randomized clinical trial uh, that me, um, Dr. Mehta, and Dr. Mills um, just completed, hopefully to be out in um, manuscript form soon, um, uh, to look at uh, withholding stress ulcer prophylaxis. um, So basically, babies receiving a placebo um, versus receiving famotidine, an H2 receptor antagonist, to see, A, whether or not there was any change in the rate of uh, gastrointestinal bleeding, uh, and then B, whether or not there was an association between um, an increase or decrease in hospital-acquired infections. Um, The second piece of that that I'm incredibly excited about is we're also interested in investigating whether or not the gastrointestinal microbiome changes in patients who receive stress ulcer prophylaxis. And so, you know, do babies who receive uh, famotidine uh, have an altered microbiome that's less like their healthy maternal microbiome and more, you know, harmful pathogenic bacteria that can translocate and then cause uh, infections? And so, um, you know, we we We've pivoted off of um, that single Center randomized clinical trial and are doing some more um, larger database related stuff with regards to nutrition, with the hope that this may spark. Uh, more preliminary data to investigate um, a multi Center study in um, babies that are have undergone congenital heart disease and to look at nutritional related factors and adjuncts, such as just prophylaxis to see what the impact is at a more broader scale and to maybe change practice. Um, you know, and this is like, you know, of course, like, you know, what you don't see in that timeline is the, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears of applying for funding and coming up with study designs and everything else. But it's just an example of what, a, a, you know, a a tiny fellow project can, can snowball into, and then, you know, to be able to get momentum and then to be able to tell your story that you want to tell in the area that, that you're interested in. And for me, you know, that's been pediatric critical care nutrition, and I can, you know, look back and think, wow, that took so much time. But, you know, also you look at all, all the stuff that you've encountered, and then you can also kind of map out the next five to ten years of your career to see where you think it might land if, if you're as successful as you think that you are. Um, you know, this uh, pro, this, um, this endeavor took a village um, and, you know, collaboration, I think, is the way that all of this stuff is going to uh, happen go, going forward. Um, you know, multi-investigator studies, um, multi-center collaborations. Um, you know, everyone is so busy um, and has so much stuff on their plate with regards to their, you know, their other requirements that they have to do in their in their clinical work that you know, joining efforts and and trying to answer questions that are going to improve the outcomes of in in my you know, of our patients and in, in my aspect, children, um, are, I, I think is amazing and um, has really been the kind of jumping board for. What I'm so passionate about outside of the clinical work I do in the ICU.
0: No, I think that's great. And you definitely hear the passion through the screen, and you know, and it's it's great to you know also recognize that it does take a village to do research and train physicians and and being this field of nutrition as well, right? There's so such a multidisciplinary uh, team and field, um, so that's great to hear. Um, and kind of you know, as we're talking about your journey with mentorship and research and kind of how you found nutrition, would you have any specific advice uh, for new newer trainees or just younger professionals in this field uh, going forward?
1: Yes. Um, the first thing I would say is um, go to go to um, national meetings, go to Aspen, um, you know, walk around, go to the sessions and get inspired. Um, you know, get inspired with ideas. Um, introduce yourself. Um, you know, it, it can be somewhat intimidating sometimes to go to a session that you really love um, and and see a speaker there that you know you may have read their papers or think that you know they're someone that might not be as approachable. But wait after the session, and you'll be surprised how much um, you know people who have been doing this for some time love to chat. Um, with people who are just getting started, um, you know, in, in the field. And it's amazing how often that can lead to opportunity. Um, you know, when I just started out as, I think I was just starting out as junior faculty, I joined the research subcommittee um, with Aspen. I started reviewing abstracts for, um, for Aspen uh, and still do to this day. I had at one point joined the research subcommittee, um, and now have had the opportunity to do things like join the physicians engagement committee. Uh, I reviewed for JPEN and um, was on the editorial board and now I'm an associate editor for J-Pen. Um, you know, just like just getting involved and saying hi and and following through with the things that you that you sign up to do can really just kind of launch it and before you know it, you know three years, four years, ten years down the road, and you've really um you know you've been able to a get inspired but then b get involved and see whether or not it's something that you really enjoy doing um you know the the goal is ultimately to be doing something that doesn't necessarily feel like a ton of work like it might be really hard but you enjoy doing it so much that you know when you get off clinical service you're excited to pick up where you left off on the research project or the presentation that you're working on to present at a national meeting and if that's the if that's um you know how it ends up, then you found the right area and you should just you should just run with it and um i you know my my personal bias is there's no better place to do that than Aspen, but you know that's my own personal <laughs> it's, it's it's my own I love path. it
0: we're on the Aspen train today no i think it's i think you really highlight a lot of the opportunities that are there for even you know junior faculty all stages of careers. Uh, that Aspen can offer, and I think it's just such a pleasure to, um, you know, meet you and discuss with you all these great things, and it's it's great to hear that other physicians are, you know, are so passionate about nutrition, and it's good to have this opportunity to, to have these chats. You know, I want to end off with just a quick question, like outside of medicine, uh, is there anything that, you know, if people wouldn't know about you specifically, uh, kind of in your personal life or any hobbies that you have or anything that you can touch on just to have a little sense of Dr. Albert outside of medicine?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So most of my time is spent um, here in um, inner city Boston uh, with my wife and my two kids um, I have a five year old and a three year old, so they um, they keep me on my toes. Um, and we love to be outdoors. my My wife and I um, last year completed the Boston Marathon, and this year we'll be running the New York City Marathon in November. Uh, and my kids are, you know, always outdoors. Anything with riding a bike or sports or sailing on the Charles River, uh, you can find us somewhere around the city. So please say hi if you see me.
0: I love it. Well, congrats on the marathon. Talk about like nutrition and prepping for that. That's a whole different uh ball game, but lots
1: of lots of nutrition right. and a lot of donuts after the long runs.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, nutrition is everywhere. We can't escape it. But, you know, thank you so much, Dr. Albert, for joining us today. And thank you to Aspen for their partnership to continue with this program and our audience for joining us today. I thought I hope you learned something different uh, and something new about Dr. Albert. And uh, it was just such a pleasure to chat with you. and thank you so much for joining.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: great. Right. Thanks, everybody.